Good morning. Now, I do want to brace you. We are entering dangerous territory. And the reason I say that is I wasn't here when Marlon introduced the series. So I'm going rogue. Uh, No, uh, no, we are. We're looking at the uh, the first few verses of Second Corinthians. uh, And so we'll go ahead and read through those. Uh, in just a moment. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to introduce today's message by saying that, um, you know, people are, are good and people are helpful. And, and one of the things that someone did to help us months ago was they gave us a book called Suffering, Gospel Hope When Life Doesn't Make Sense by Paul David Tripp. And my wife Ashley was reading through it and she, she was talking to me. She said, it's really good. You should read it. Do you want to read it when I'm done? And without thinking, I said, no. <laughs> why, why would I want to read a book on suffering? I'm not suffering. And she gave me a look that only a wife can give. It's like, you're, you're kidding me, right? And so I've had some time to reflect since then. And somewhere between cancer, chemo, side effects, surgery, I've had a time to reflect and realize that I've not been okay. Somewhere in that, there have been hard days and hard conversations, hard appointments, and still it can be hard to admit sometimes that things have been hard. Maybe we all forget, like I tend to forget, that not only is suffering a part of life, a a perfectly normal thing, something we all go through and experience and it's okay to admit, it's not just part of life, it's part of the Christian walk. And so A.W. Tozer, reflecting on this, wrote, The devil, things, and people being what they are, it is necessary for God to use the hammer, the file, and the furnace in his holy work of preparing a saint for true sainthood. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Without doubt, we of this generation have become too soft to scale great spiritual heights. Salvation has come to mean deliverance from unpleasant things. Our hymns and sermons create for us a religion of consolation and pleasantness. We overlook the place of the thorns, the cross, and the blood. We ignore the function of the hammer and the file. Strange as it may sound, it is yet true that much of the suffering we are called upon to endure on the highway of holiness is an inward suffering for which scarcely an external cause can be found. For our journey is an inward journey, and our real foes are invisible to the eyes of men. Attacks of darkness, of despondency, of acute self-deprecation may be endured without any change in our outward circumstances Only the enemy and God and the hard-pressed Christian know what has taken place. The inward suffering has been great and a mighty work of purification has been accomplished. But the heart knoweth its own sorrow and no one else can share it. God has cleansed his child in the only way he can, circumstances being what they are. Thank God for the furnace. Before we go any further this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the joy it is to gather together with the body of Christ, to celebrate who you are, to study your word together as your spirit applies that to our hearts, helps us to understand 
God, would you guide and lead us this morning? Would you be with us? And Lord, would your name be proclaimed above all else as we rest in you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, in his second letter to the church in Corinth, also talks about suffering and its place in the Christian life. And that's going to be our text for this morning. From 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll be looking at verses 3 through 11. And uh, this morning I'll be reading from the ESV. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You must also help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Now, maybe you came this morning hoping not to hear a message focusing on suffering. And for that, I apologize. You'll have to suffer through. <laughs> Sorry, that's just to warm you up a little bit. Uh, this passage is a beautiful one when you dig into it. And it's because Paul talks about something that is so human, that is so Christian, that, that we endure suffering. And we'll get into a lot of that. But Paul starts in a very interesting place. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He starts by describing who God is. This is the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. He's, he's paving the way for the things he's about to say. This is who God is. He comforts us. He's the God of all mercies, of all comfort. And not only that, it talks about what he does. He comforts us in all our affliction. Better yet, it also talks about why he does that. So that we, and here Paul's talking about the apostles, but I think a few thousand years later we might see ourselves here as well. We may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, the, the way Paul words that gets a little bit tricky sometimes, so I think it's good for us to walk through and look at this chain reaction that happens here. God comforts his apostles. His apostles comfort his church. But what are they being comforted from? Affliction and suffering. Now, we might ask a very human question and say, why would this be? Why, why would God... 
comfort the apostles? Why would the apostles comfort the church? Why wouldn't God spare them that suffering altogether? Just just make the way easier. Make it so that it's, it's a comfortable ride to be there as an apostle or as one of those who are in the church. Instead of enduring suffering and being comforted in suffering, why not spare them hardship? Well, as Paul puts it in verse 5, for as we share in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now, we see something very similar in Hebrews. This is from Hebrews chapter 2. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. See, there is a connection between affliction or suffering and comfort. Now, they're not treated as separate ideas, but opposite sides of the same coin, that with affliction comes comfort, with comfort comes affliction, that those two things cannot be separated. In following Christ, we can expect both suffering and comfort. Now, I do apologize if, if you came to Christ with the expectation that it was going to be all sunshine and roses and, and happy all the way. Sorry, as, as someone who's been walking through cancer, I can tell you that's that's not the case. But it's a perfectly human question to ask. Why, why, if we're following God, would we endure these hard things? Why would someone who's following God suffer these hard things? In fact, this week we were grieving with some dear friends of ours who, who walked through the loss of a child. They're serving in a church. They're serving God faithfully. They're walking through hard things. And I think sometimes we get the gospel in its cheapest form, in its simplified form, that God is good and he's done something good for us. And then we leave it there. And we don't hear the other part that all God asks is we lay down our lives. That we expect that in this life there will be hardship and suffering and death, but it's because we exchange it for something far greater God is the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. There's not a disconnect. It is especially connected, and we're going to look at that in more detail. See, Christ is the key. Christ endured affliction to comfort those who would follow Him. His followers endured affliction to comfort those who would hear and believe that the believers would endure affliction and know the comfort that comes from God. Now, Paul is preaching to a church that is going through difficulties. Now, it would be a far worse received letter if he was writing to a church where everything was going well. And he said, look, things are going to be hard. No, no, this is a church where things are already hard. 
There are false teachers. There are uh, people who are proclaiming different gospels. There are people who are proclaiming to be Christians who are causing harm to the church. There are difficult things happening. That's on top of the persecution that's happening for those who are Christians. It was a difficult time where people were experiencing difficult things and Paul is writing to give them comfort in the midst of affliction. And so they don't need to be told that hard things will happen. They're experiencing it. What Paul is doing is to write to say there is comfort in the midst of this affliction that you are already enduring and still might endure. There is a use for their suffering As we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, this is uh, the next verse there, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Now hold on. Paul is talking from his own perspective. He's talking about his own suffering and the suffering of the apostles for the sake of the body. And he's saying there's something good happening here. If we struggle, we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, which does not sound like an exciting thing, and yet for Paul it's important. We also share in comfort. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort. Paul's saying we are enduring hard things for your benefit. This is a good thing because it's good for you. Now, that doesn't seem fair to us sometimes. I think we put ourselves in Paul's shoes. How many of us would say, it's good that I'm suffering because it's good for you? Nobody. I'm getting no responses here. Yeah, that's, that's not how we present things. We'd step back and say, hold on, this isn't fair. What, what sense does it make for me to go through difficult things so that somebody else can have an easier time? I don't want to be afflicted so that someone else can be comfortable. I want to be comfortable. That's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. It makes sense for us to say that. Um, People might ask, Lawrence, why do you think you're walking through cancer? And I'd say, well, I'm not walking very well. There's another joke. Yeah. (laughs) Make light of it because then it doesn't hurt quite so bad, right? And it's a difficult thing because I could say, I don't don't know. But I know that there are other people who said, look, I've been so encouraged by you. And I thought, okay. Or, I've seen your faith in walking through these things. I've even heard people talk to my wife and say that the way she has loved me through this has been an inspiration. And they don't even know the half of it. (laughs) The idea that our suffering could be useful for somebody else might be comforting in that one sense that, hey, at least there's something good here. But at the same time, that, that selfish side of us says, look, suffering is not good. I don't want to do it, even if it's for someone else's sake. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to walk through those things. And yet Paul is saying it's good that through Christ comes both affliction and comfort, that the apostles experience both affliction and comfort. Where is their suffering? Well, it's in the rest of the verse. He says, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. So if you were worried that Paul was being unfair, don't worry. As Paul is suffering, the church is going to suffer too. It's, it's something they're all going to walk through. It's something they're all going to endure in different ways. As Paul says in the following verse, our hope for you is unshaken. 
For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. It's not one without the other. It's a difficulty that we all experience for the sake of Christ. And there is comfort that we all receive because of Christ. Again, suffering is not an unexpected thing. Christ set the example that through his suffering, he would bring us peace. The apostles are following that example, suffering, excuse me, as Christ did for the sake of the gospel. And the believers are being called to follow the example of Christ lived out by the apostles. God is, in a very real way, using the apostles to point others to Christ. with the promise of the same comfort which they experience when they patiently endure the same sufferings. Fellowship with Christ means sharing in His sufferings and comfort. Fellowship with the body means sharing in their suffering and comfort. There is a connection that we cannot ignore. And yet there's still another side to this. Not only did God use the apostles as an example, He used their suffering to give comfort to others and to lead them to salvation. Maybe that's an uncomfortable thought for us that, we, that God might allow us to suffer. And not only that, but allow us to suffer for the sake of others. And we might not understand what God is doing. We may not understand what He's doing in our lives. In fact, He may not be doing anything in our lives, but through our suffering, reaching someone else. Now, Paul embraced that call of suffering for the sake of others as he shared with the elders in Ephesus. He said this, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now that's a hard call. But the call to endure affliction is not without the promise of comfort or deliverance. Now, Paul goes on in verse 8. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. That is, he's trying to give them some kind of comfort, and he says, Look, if you need something, here's an example of what we've walked through. And it's been difficult. And Paul only says a little bit here. They were so utterly burdened beyond their strength that they despaired of life itself. He says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Now, I want you to hear this for what Paul is saying. We look at Paul as this pillar of, of faith and endurance, of, of someone who received a call from Christ and lived it out well. And yet he's saying that we, 
that me and the other apostles have had such a difficult time that we have begun to despair of life itself. It's like he's saying, it's so hard, we'd almost rather be dead. Imagine Paul, who's, who witnessed through this vision on the road to Damascus, this transformative thing where Christ spoke to him. You have the other apostles who walked with Christ, who learned from Him, who saw His death and resurrection. And here they are saying, this is so difficult, we almost would rather be dead. And Paul's saying, this is what we endured. This is what we've been going through. And there's a few other things here. The Jews plotted to kill them. The Gentiles rioted. Both the Jews and the Gentiles that they were proclaiming the gospel to tried to stone them to death. Other apostles were killed. Many had been jailed and persecuted, which Paul knew all too well. Later in 2 Corinthians, Paul recounts his many sufferings. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil, in hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Paul has had anything but an easy time fulfilling the call of Christ. But there was a purpose in all this. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That they had to experience these things to, to almost wish for death because there was something in them that God was doing that He needed to transform, that they needed to come to rely not on themselves but on God. Now Paul echoes this throughout 1 Corinthians, throughout 2 Corinthians, throughout the other epistles, that it's not by his own wisdom that they come but by the Spirit of God. It's not by their own power or their use of clever words or tactics, but by the power of God. That none of it can be about Paul or Peter or Apollos. None of it can be about them. It has to be about God. And if it's going to be about God, it has to be in God's power. And in order for that to happen, they have to get out of the way. And Paul is saying these hard things that we've endured. He's not saying they haven't been hard. He's not saying they haven't suffered. They have suffered. But it's been good. Because it did something in them they could not do themselves in leading them to rely on God who raises the dead. That their very life itself is from Him. Paul knows comfort because he's been comforted in the midst of suffering. Paul can invite others to share in that comfort because his suffering has been useful to bring hope and comfort to others in the midst of their own suffering. And Paul knows that suffering was good and that it forced him to depend on God. He didn't willingly go blind 
and have that encounter with Christ. He didn't willingly upend his own life to follow Christ and endure persecution. But without God subjecting him to those things, he would not have been saved. He would not have been effective in fulfilling his call. Without the sharing in the suffering of Christ, he would have no sharing in the comfort of Christ. And he would not have been useful in proclaiming Christ. But the thing is, they didn't die. They despaired of life. They considered it a death sentence, but they pulled through. How? He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. God has acted. He is acting. We trust that He will continue to act on our behalf. He delivered them from such a deadly peril. He will deliver them from any coming peril. In fact, they have set their hope on the fact that He will deliver them again. Would they have had such comfort if God had not led them through deadly suffering? Or is it because they experienced comfort in the midst of suffering that they were able to endure those afflictions and come out the other side? And not just that, but humbly reliant on the God who comforts them and gives them life. But Paul doesn't end there. He makes a very personal, a very human request that they would help through prayer that as God blesses them, they also may bless many. Now we may forget what Paul reminds us of in the beginning of this passage, that our God is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now when you read that, something I think we need to notice is none of that is about us. The problem with suffering is that it's, at least according to our perspective, it usually is all about us. We want to know why us or why not us. We want to demand of God, what are you doing and why are you doing it and when will it stop because I can't endure it or I don't want to do this or I don't like this and I think you need to answer me. We deal with suffering as if it's all about us and yet Scripture puts it squarely on God that God is doing something and God is doing something in us and God is doing something through us because it's not about us. And it is a humbling view of suffering that we may not like, but we don't really have much choice in. Because God is still the one in control, and we are still the ones who serve Him. We might ask God what He's doing, but we don't really care what His answer might be. Because we can't see it, and we probably wouldn't like it anyway. But we have this assurance from Scripture, following Christ will mean suffering. And it's worth mentioning that there is a world of difference between being comfortable and being comforted. And the reason I mention that is Scripture is very clear that in the midst of suffering, in affliction, in difficulty, we will be comforted. But nowhere in Scripture does it say we will be comfortable. 
which might be an uncomfortable thought for us. And it's a reason for that. As a society, we have this idea about comfort where we, we want comfortable things. Um, I go to the doctor if I'm feeling a sense of discomfort. Oh, this isn't great. This isn't perfect. There's one little thing wrong. I'll take care of it. We want comfortable shoes, a comfortable bed, a comfortable life, a comfortable spouse, a comfortable career. Anything which is uncomfortable is bad. And yet the thing is, in the Christian life, being comfortable often means complacency, that we've lost our way, that we've stopped following. When you stop feeling that inward pressure, that outward difficulty, it might be a good sign that we've lost our way. And the difficulty is we want to be comfortable. We want to hear comfortable sermons about comfortable passages, about a comfortable God when it's not there. We will endure hard things. And why should we expect any different when the one who won salvation for us endured hard things? Why should we expect that we can avoid suffering when Christ suffered for us? We have the example of those who have come before us in the faith, who suffered for our sake, who endured for our sake, who showed us the way that we should live, that we should expect suffering. But not only that, comfort in the midst of it that we'll never be alone in it, that it won't overcome us, that there is hope even beyond suffering of a life, of an existence, of an eternity, free of any suffering. If there's any place where we can expect to be comfortable, it's in eternity. Not in this life. Being comfortable is never promised. Being comforted is. And as Paul reminds us, we experience comfort when we patiently endure the same sufferings as our brothers and sisters who are suffering for the sake of the gospel. We need not have any fear of death because we serve the God who raises the dead. God comforts us. God uses us. And God will deliver us on that we can set our hope. There's a small book that I've had for years that I keep going back to. I recently gave it away. It's okay. There was a reason for it. It went to a better home. That sounds bad. I enjoyed the book. <laughs> but the person who owned it might have been related to someone else. There's a long story. Either way, it's from all the way back in 1878. It's called Folded Hands. And it's a collection of poems, hymns, and prayers meant to give comfort in the midst of suffering. And there's something beautiful not only in the language, but the honesty in its words. Now, I'm going to read from it, and so I'll ask you to bear with me. Uh, it is almost 150 years old. They speak a little bit differently than we do today. And so um, we'll just try to pay attention to that. Shrink not from suffering. Each dear blow from which thy smitten spirit bleeds is but a messenger to show the renovation which it needs. The earthly sculptor smites the rock loud, the relentless hammer rings, and from the rude, unshapen block at length imprisoned beauty brings. Thou art that rude, unshapen stone, and waitest till the arm of stripe shall make its crucifixions known and smite and carve thee into life. The heavenly sculptor works on thee. Be patient. Soon his arm of might shall from thy prison's darkness free and change thee to a form of light. 
We all suffer. And we all face that temptation to grow bitter and angry that God would do this to us. May we remember that Christ suffered for us to bring us peace. May we remember that others have gone through hardship in order that we might hear the hope of the gospel. May we remember that this present difficulty is temporary and not without purpose. You are not alone. God is with you in this affliction. His body is with you in this suffering and he will bring you through this. To close, we have this encouragement from 2 Corinthians 4. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed. Perplexed but not driven to despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring you into His presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal let's pray God we thank you for today And we thank you for the promise that we are not alone in our hardships, in our afflictions, in our difficulty. You know our pain because you bore suffering for us. We have the example of what it looks like to endure through these things because you have led others before us. You have demonstrated your faithfulness again and again and again. And even when the walls seem to be closing in because of how difficult our circumstances are, we can look again and again to your word and see that you are faithful. That your faithfulness is unending. That your comfort is unending. That this present affliction will come to an end. God, help us to remember that it's not because we've been disobedient. It's not because we're going down the wrong path. But sometimes because it is your purpose that we endure suffering. Because you are doing something good in it. And you will not leave us there. Help us to lean on you. To rest in your goodness. And Lord, may you be glorified in our suffering and in our comfort. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.